0: Michael Shore,
1: Michael, welcome.
0: Thank you for having me, Joe.
1: You are welcome. How exciting is this? This is is (laughs) a new chapter. (laughs) It's always good when I can start that way. How exciting is this? Uh, A new chapter in podcast uh, history as uh, the podcast is now, I guess, officially a part of the Athletic Podcasting Network. Sure sure why not
0: why not
1: why not <laughs> you know they they said to me like you know we really would love the the podcast and I was like you realize it's not like a real podcast right I mean you do realize it's just us just goofing off and goofing around and I think they understood what I was saying but I'm pretty sure they didn't actually understand what I was saying
0: well I I mean look I this is very exciting there's no question like we've been doing this for uh for 41 years 41 now years this year we've correct. we've recorded uh more than two and a half million podcasts <laughs> you and i over 41 years correct and and it, it it is like at various times it's been associated with different websites places you've worked sure right and, and stuff and th- this one feels like this is like seems legitimate you know like the athletic is like a very good website they do a lot of really good sports journalism and very good reporting and very good features and stuff i just can't help but feel like it's a huge mistake to try to impose any kind of professionalism on this (laughs) like it just i don't see how it works out for anyone for them for us no you know what i mean like the whole the the the, the whole point of this thing is we don't know what we're doing. We're not very good at it. It's too long. It doesn't have any focus. Uh, it, it, it's generally speaking pointless and meaningless. And so I, I can't help but be a little concerned about the concept of fitting it in under any kind of professionalism rubric. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, it, it really makes absolutely no sense, uh, certainly for us or for them or for uh really for the world in general it just doesn't yeah like who
0: i guess that's the real question right who benefits (laughs) right like you don't benefit and i don't benefit because because how could we the the audience doesn't benefit because it's still going to be the same amount of punishing to have to listen (laughs) to this thing i'm not sure they benefit because i don't know if anybody comes to the athletic to hear this podcast, Not doing this? Are you kidding? Right. Me? So, like, I just, I guess, that's the real question: is like, to what end?
1: Well, then, you, <laughs> you know, you know what I've, I compare this to the, the the athletic letting us do this, giving us the whatever that they're actually, I don't even know what they're giving us, but whatever they're giving us to do this, um, it's like the Cavaliers hiring John Beeline. It's like that never seemed like a particularly good idea, did it? Did anybody think like, oh, you know, John Beeline? How about let's hire like a a ancient college coach who has never like really had like he's never like won any. I mean, he's everybody respects him. Everybody thinks he's a fine college coach, but. Let's just, it's, its you know, when Notre Dame hired uh, a high school football coach, remember that when they hired a high school? Yeah. Coach. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, that's to me, it's like, how did the Cavaliers think that hiring John Beeline was going to work? Like, how did he think that the players were going to respond to him? How did they think? I, I don't know. And this feels like that. It feels like whatever the thought process was, at no point did somebody say, why are we doing this? Like, this doesn't sound Right. smart. Well,
0: it's its a good analogy because like, like the John Beeline hiring, it's like, if you just hear it, you're like, all right, well, you know, that's fine. <laughs> like, it seems, seems right. Like he's, he's technically is a coach and he's a coach for a major program right, at Michigan. Right. And, and like in, in the run up to, um, to hiring him, they had, you know, he made the, fi- he made the NCAA finals sure, right. once. I think he made the final four a couple of times, right. but like generally speaking, like it was like, yeah, okay. That, uh, I get it. That makes sense. That's a thing that you do. <laughs> You hire a guy, especially because they had a really young team and they were rebuilding. So it's like, we'll get this guy in there and whatever. But like, if you if you think about it for like one second and you squint a little bit, you're like, well, wait a second. How? What is that going to do? How's that going to work? Like, that's ridiculous. And I feel like this the same thing would be said about this podcast, which is like, yeah, okay, those two guys are, you know, Joe's a sports writer who already works at the Athletic, and Mike likes sports, and they have this dumb podcast where they talk about sports sure throw it up on the here on the network but if you squint at it a little bit or think about it for like another 60 seconds you might come to a very different conclusion <laughs> right. which is essentially like why though what <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what how is this how will this help us or them or anyone that no that yeah. that's i think that's fair but we are,
0: it's, but here we are and we couldn't be more excited. By the way, I <laughs> hope they just
1: use this as a straight promotion for this thing. I think that feels like this should be the promo for
0: the, Oh, I assumed this was like the, an ad we were recording for the, <laughs> for the launch of the podcast.
1: So the podcast will be, uh, what well, the, the one thing that will change. Cause nothing, the, the, here's one thing we can guarantee the three people who listen to this for what it is. Um, we're not changing it. It's going to be the same absurdities that it that it always was, and and every bit is meaningless. There will there will not even be one percent more meaning in this in this podcast. I mean that I think that's pretty fair to say, uh, but it will now be weekly. So uh, Mike is going to appear as often as he can in his incredibly busy schedule, but it is going to be weekly. So, in other words, really they're doing harm to society because they're making a, they're, There's going to be more of these.
0: Yeah, it's it's like um, it's like uh, uh, they're they're unnecessarily proliferating the nonsense like it was for a while. It was contained. contained. It's like this is this is the coronavirus of podcasts, right? Because it was contained at the very least. You could say like, okay, it's pointless and and uh, and too long and and meaningless, but at least it's contained. Like we don't (laughs) we only do it like once a month. Now they've basically said like, no, now we're going to like inflict this uh, a weekly yes. on people <laughs> now granted i won't be on it every week you are going to have other guests but i'm going to uh, be do it as often as i can you know hopefully at least once a month if not maybe twice a month and we're uh, the you know the that will be the sort of mothership let's call it and then but then you will have other guests who come on and take my place and, and they uh, have promised the times I can't they
1: have promised we you know i i think people can guess uh who are listeners who will be uh some of our uh, special guest hosts which will be very exciting um but they're just as meaningless i mean it's not like they're going to come in and add i mean not like Brandon McCarthy's going to step in here and suddenly this this thing is going to have any kind of meaning it will not it will
0: it, well I I would I, – that's true. Of course not. No, it's impossible to to Im, impose any meaning on this. But I, I would say that it might be interesting because it will be like meaningless in a different that's way. True.
1: That's true. You know? You that's know? true. We, we're we, we're not afraid to expand our meaninglessness. We will go in different directions uh, on this thing. So it will be – it's going to be fun. I, I really do hope people uh, come along for the ride. Nothing should change if you're just a regular podcast listener, podcast listener – uh, everything should uh, be the same, other than it will be weekly, and it will be available uh, on the uh, on the a- uh, Athletic podcasting uh, app and uh, and uh, website. So very exciting. So let's I say we just begin. Let's just start talking about the meaninglessness because it's Great. been a little while since we've done this. It's been it's been a month or, or or even maybe even six weeks since we've done this, and in those six weeks, a lot of bad things have happened, Mike. A lot of <laughs> it's really true draw. this has
0: been a very very bad six weeks <laughs>
1: it, it, it didn't feel like it when we when 2019 ended you just kind of thought well thank goodness that year's over with because we didn't and like 2020 has been like different but worse like in, in yeah in, in numerous ways different uh but worse and, and we'll start obviously uh with with the houston astros you know when we talked on the last podcast, we did talk about how terrible the Astros are like as a as an organization. We because we, mm-hmm. we had things because we were I think at that point we were apologizing uh, to Linda Holmes for suggesting that she become an Astros fan. If you were.
0: That's right. We we made her become an Astros fan or we steered her in Correct. that direction. Right. And it and up backfiring, although according to her. She's from the D.C. area and she went she did drift back right. before the scandal to her hometown team. So that paid off huge for her because she won a World Series and she avoided being associated with uh, with a franchise that is that is rapidly just becoming the the boogeyman <laughs> of, the, of the professional sports landscape. Well, let's- so I'm happy I'm happy that she she took her advice but didn't take it uh, intensely enough to actually have to suffer the consequences. Which is so
1: smart. You, you never want to take our advice intensely enough to actually act on it. You want to you no. No, no, no. consider it, but never act on it. But I do want to ask you, and and I, I was about to say in all seriousness, but it's not in all seriousness. Um, you and I have on this podcast on multiple occasions talked about just how stupid the deflate gate thing was right we have discussed yeah. how pointless it was how stupid it was how we couldn't really believe that the whole country was freaking out about it we just thought the whole thing was ridiculous and 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 stupid all right do you have any of those same feelings about this Astros podcast or are you kind of with a whole bunch of people who are freaking out about it
0: no I'm I'm kind of freaking out <laughs> and I was so I was talking to my friend a very good friend of mine who's a Red Sox fan we'll deal with the Red Sox in a second yes Um, But we were just sort of talking about um, heading into this baseball season, neither he nor I could remember feeling this particular feeling, Mm -hmm. which is like malaise, basically. It's just a sort of dampened enthusiasm for baseball in general, and that is a cumulative effect of a bunch of stuff that's happened with the Red Sox, which we'll get to later, but also this Astros thing. The the worst part of it to me is it just like it just made everything seem like sad and kind of damp mm-hmm. and and unexciting. And that I mean that's that to me. Look, you know the details of the scandal are well known. Um, the the way that the league dealt with it is well known and inadequate. But the the lasting effect that I think it's going to have that I'm worried about is a just sort of like a, a, a sort of tamping down of excitement or happiness about baseball in general. And, you know, Deflategate was so dumb for so many reasons, um, not the least of which was like no one could actually prove that even if it happened, if it was any kind of advantage. And then very quickly, they played another game and they made sure the balls were inflated to the proper level and everything just sort of went on as as usual. Uh, And Tom Brady threw like four touchdown passes against the best defense in football and won the Super Bowl. So it was like, all right, well, if it did help him in some way, clearly it wasn't a thing that really mattered or whatever. But it was like a it was like a silly scandal. It was like a a silly it was it was a sports radio uh, two weeks between the championship game and the Super Bowl. We need something to talk about fun scandal, right? And also the Patriots had cheated before. And so everybody was happy to talk about how they were cheating again and blah, 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 blah. But they beat the Colts by 78 points (laughs) in the game where they apparently had, were deflating footballs and, and then they won the Super Bowl, and it was like, well, all right, well, whatever you want to say about it, it's clear that like that wasn't the decisive factor in whether they won or not. This is different. This is like, no, they were cheating. They, they were, they knew what pitches were coming. And the fundamental thing about that you enjoy about the game of baseball is a pitcher throws his best pitch and a hitter takes his best swing and you see who's better on the on pitch to pitch it can vary pitcher gets the hitter one time next to bat the hitter guesses right drills a home run that's the s that's the only thing that you're really watching on uh, throughout every pitch of every game of baseball for an entire year and when you feel like they had their thumb on the scale it really does kind of Mess it up, and you can get into all the details about like, well, they won on the road and they couldn't have been doing this when they were on the road, and and blah 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 blah. But then you can also get into the details of like Tim uh, it wasn't Tim Kirkchen, I can't remember who it was the other day. Um, someone's had this amazing statistic which is in the game in game two, I think that Kershaw threw against the Astros in that World Series, he threw 51 breaking pitches and got zero swings and misses. It's
1: crazy, just
0: crazy. I mean, that that's like. At some point, you start to really feel like that's statistically significant. Like that's that's Clayton Kershaw. That's the best curveball in baseball. And the idea that they didn't that not a single guy in their lineup swung and missed at a curveball or a slider. It you can't help but feel like that is a real uh, advantage that they actually like. They actually they they cheated and and so. That the, like of there's so many different things to be upset about in this realm. And, you know, the Red Sox report, by the way, still hasn't been released. No. We don't know if they did it, too. When they came over there, it seems like Beltran was sort of the ringleader uh, at the Astros and Beltran wasn't on the Red Sox. So I don't know. Maybe that means they didn't take it over there. Who knows? But regardless of what happens with the Red Sox um, investigation, just looking at the Astros, you had a team. I mean, you wrote about this team. Yeah you wrote you wrote a Sports Illustrated cover article that said, that predicted accurately that they were going to win the World Series because of the, in three years, right? Because of the talent that they were amassing right. it was, it was, because of El Tuve and right. Bregman and, and all those guys. And that, what a great story. And they win their first World Series and they put it all together. And it's like, who is more fun to watch than Jose El and Who's more fun yeah. to watch than Bregman? We've talked about that defensive play that Bregman made against uh-huh. the Yankees that throw home to get, to get, uh the tying run potential tying run at home on a on an absolutely perfect throw and so you have this team of incredible talent that was so fun to watch that that broke the franchise jinx you had this this legend of the front office that was smarter and better and more like uh statistically minded and basically in the last year a combination of incredibly like thuggish awful front office nonsense uh making light of uh of domestic abuse scandals and then actual cheating scandals and a sort of like very unsatisfying denial that they had anything to do with it and then also this mixed with the actual on-field cheating stuff it just has made me like bummed out like that's there's no way else to put it i'm just kind of like bummed out and it's making me less excited to watch baseball, and that stinks, man. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. There were a couple things you said. That, first of all, I want to say it was Ben Ryder who wrote that story for Sports Illustrated about. Uh, I wrote the one about the Royals winning the World Series. Oh, okay. Uh, I ben, apologize. No, no. Sorry, ben. No, ben. Well, I don't know if Ben wants. I don't know if Ben wants credit at the moment for for Astro stuff. But um, but there were a couple things that you said, and that that that, and I I agree with all of it, including the Malays. I, I I think. You're right. There's something fundamental about this that makes it even worse in many people's minds than steroids. Not that steroids cheating is any less cheating or you can you can argue that point forever. But here's here's the thing. What steroids does is it makes you stronger, right? And it gives you opportunities to work out so you can become unnaturally strong and unnaturally fast and 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 we understand, you know, the advantages but it doesn't touch on baseball, right? It's not a baseball specific. People use steroids in football and use steroids at the Olympics and use steroids in soccer and 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 on and on. So it's not baseball specific. This is baseball specific, right? This is messing with the very foundation of the game, which is I throw, you hit, and and let's see who the better you know person is. And and I do think that this it 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 is a bummer because it is. You, you, you see, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of people are talking about the buzzer possible buzzers in 2019, which is, you know, we don't even have any, there's no even evidence of that, but you hear it and it pollutes your mind. And suddenly you see that Altuve home run against uh, a Chapman, which is one of the great moments of baseball in the last X number of years. And you like, is that real? I don't know if that's real. I don't know if, the, you know, I think it is. It probably is real. I think that, I don't think he really was using a buzzer, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the question is out there now. But there were two things that you said that I want to specifically talk about. One is Clayton Kershaw. I've thought so much about Kershaw uh, during this process. And, and you Darvish, by the way, whose career was basically wrecked by that 2017 World Series, right? I mean, they, he became a free agent after 2017, and all anybody talked about was how bad he was in that World Series. And, and I mean, it was, I mean, to me, he's owed a lot of money in all of this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, it's, so, it's, but that's an aside. I was thinking about Kershaw. Kershaw is, you know, I think most of us would agree that Kershaw is the greatest pitcher of this generation right you can argue verland or you can argue scherzer but right that stretch a period of time when kershaw was absurd even then part of what made kershaw so great was that you never knew what was coming and the times that kershaw got hit and which always shocked us People believed he was tipping pitches, right? Like remember that Cardinals game where he was cruising and then suddenly the Cardinals hit like seven doubles in a row off of him. It was insane. Yeah. And we're like, oh, he he was tipping pitches, which tells me that is his one sort of kryptonite bit bit of kryptonite, right? Is that if you know what he's going to throw you, you can beat him because like what makes him so great is the way he tunnels his pitches. So the fastball looks just like the slider looks just like the curveball coming out of his hand. And that is, you know, that's fifty percent of why he's so great. And you take that fifty percent away, it's it's a it's a fundamentally different kind of cheating than I think anything uh, else, especially if you're doing it like as a team with, with with all sorts of, you know, equipment and and signals. I mean, it's just gross. And and the fact that it had an effect on a guy that we both love and Clinton Kershaw, just Ugh! just awful. Just that's, that's part of the malaise for me is like, just, it just stinks. It stinks.
0: I was just going to say, this is what's so insidious about a cheating scandal is that it ends up, it, it like takes the purity out of any kind right. of joy or feeling that you had in favor of the team that won. And it enhances all of the sadness and, uh, and angst you have about the team that lost and it gives every other team that lost to that team a feeling of we should have won, which probably, who knows, right? It's impossible know. to know whether they should have won, but like they can legitimately feel that way. The Yankees get a the Yankees get to feel that yeah. way. Like that, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it just it means that like you play these endless seasons in baseball. You play six months of baseball day in and day out, 162 games and you play three playoff series and you get to the end one team hoists the trophy. And then this happens and you go, well, now we don't know whether any of it was real. And, and it, it's like the, the one thing that you want at the end of the year is the feeling of like, look, maybe the best team didn't win, but a team right, won right. and that's, and now it's over and we move on. And then it just, you just end up relitigating entire seasons. and, and that's that's like, I mean, right now the whole world, uh, except for uh, except for some fans <laughs> of a specific team, is happy that the Chiefs won the Super right. Bowl because Patrick Mahomes is a great story, and the team had not won in fifty years. and And Andy Reid is a lovable walrus <laughs> man, and everyone's happy, right? right? It's like, well, that's a good story. If you found out right now, today, that the Chiefs cheated, it would just be like, Ugh. yeah, we- you just like you just kind of your shoulders slump and you're and the kind of like belief that you hold in uh, in in the fairness of competition just kind of flies out the window and it that's the thing about that that is such a bummer and let, for a second let's put let's put the actual let's put the on-field stuff aside for a second and talk about Rob Manfred. Yes. Well, that's be that, that Yeah, because there's there's this whole other malaise that's kicked in for me and that malaise is like when Donald Sterling when it was finally time when donald sterling finally opened the door and gave the league a way to do what it had wished he it could do for 30 years or whatever which was get rid of him like adam silver a new commissioner swooped in in like 24 hours or whatever and just decisively said this is over we're taking your team away you have to sell the team there is no appeals process goodbye And he had just become the commissioner. He had just taken over. And it was a huge test of his mettle and of his leadership and acumen and all that stuff. And it was so, like, it was so just strong and definitive that it gave you a real sense of sort of like, you felt like you were on solid footing as an NBA fan. You were like, this guy, like, stand. this league stands for stuff, and this is like a, a... like, this is a little borderline. I remember Mark Cuban even was like, I don't know. Can we do this? Like, I don't think you can force someone to give away their team because he's probably thinking, man, uh, there's probably some oh, stuff boy. I've done. I, that- <laughs> I, exactly. I don't want I don't want to open this door at all. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, nope. too bad. You can't say that you can't own an NFL team and have these beliefs. It's not OK. Goodbye and the uh, what's happened with this thing with Manfred is the opposite of that like i have no faith in that front office uh, or that the league front office i just don't i don't feel like they i mean i know that they're hemmed in i of course they're hemmed sure. in like the mlb players union is the strongest union in the right. world and they um you know he did find the team the maximum amount but i but like i i don't know do you feel did you feel like Rob Manfred and the, and major league baseball has, has like a, a strong sort of like leadership acumen after this. Cause I sure didn't no,
1: no exactly the opposite. And that was going to be exactly the second thing I brought up, which was you, you made the point, And I think this is commonly understood that, that, uh, Carlos Beltran was sort of at the center of all of this. I'm, I'm just not sure that's true. I mean, I'm sure he played his big role. I'm sure as a player, he played a role, but man, everything about this felt like a scapegoat to me everything about this felt suddenly what like the, the you're telling me the most savvy front office in sports and by the way we've since uh, seen with a lot of reporting that that front office knew exactly what the heck was going on but now oh, they yeah. don't know they didn't they didn't know anything what was going on and even if they did they you know how do you stop it and and you got you know one of the really good guys in baseball and one of the sad um uh, you know, sad parts of this whole thing is is what this has turned AJ Hinch into. Because I mean, AJ Hinch was really—I mean, he's just a likable guy, and 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 super seems super savvy. But now AJ Hinch is in a situation where it's like he knew it was wrong, but he didn't know how to stop it. He was the manager of the team. Like all of that makes no sense to me at all. And so, blaming it on Beltran, blaming it on on um, um, the coach felt to me like everything about that felt like they don't want to face what really happened here. They don't want, they want to make this like, oh, it's it's the players and we've already agreed with the players not to punish them. And let's see if we can get the heck out of this thing without, and I mean, they let the owner not only say he didn't know anything, which I am not buying for one minute, by the way, but they're also, not only did they say he didn't know anything, he got up in front of a press conference and said i don't see why i should be held accountable for this the freaking owner of the team
0: this would that was the most insane thing so jim crane jim crane said uh very straightforwardly and confidently that what happened in 2017 quote didn't impact the game (laughs) right right. like what are you talking about the only thing it did was impact the game the reason that you're in trouble that your reason your manager was fired and your gm was fired is because it impacted the game and he, but he took this insane position, which was we won the world series and we deserved to, and it didn't impact the game. I don't know what evidence he's using to support that theory, but that is a bananas thing to say. And the reason that I don't have any, uh, that I sort of have a vote of no confidence for management for the league front office is because in exactly the way that, Adam Silver just swooped down and chopped off Donald Sterling's head when he needed to be gotten rid of. This was the opposite. This was, we are going to do everything we can to protect this owner. And that is not a good way to lead. And I've said this a million times. I feel like you and I have talked about this, especially in football. The commissioner of the leagues can't be paid by only the owners. It just doesn't make any sense. He's not supposed to work for the owners. The original baseball commissioner... Of Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who was problematic in his own sure. right, but whatever. He, the whole point was there had been this massive scandal, and they brought him in to fix yeah. it. And he like banned all the players and banned, like, did all this stuff. And like now you have these pr- these in, you know multi 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 billion dollar a year sports leagues, and the commissioners of the leagues who were supposed to be impartial work for only one side. They work for the owners. They're paid by the owners. They work for the owners. Roger Goodell's best friends with all the owners, and he travels around on Jerry Jones's private jet and blah, 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 blah. That is not a good way to instill confidence in a fan base that you're being impartial and that you're actually ruling impartially on these issues. And by the way, a report came out a couple days ago that when Crane bought the team 10 years ago, there was this whole investigation into racism and sexism and discrimination in one of his companies and it took a really long time to vet him and then they just kind of went like don't worry it's everything's fine and they let him by the team and like you just you can't help but feel like the main thing that Manfred was trying to do here was protect Jim Crane at all costs and I can't you know the report came out that AJ Hinch like quietly like the smash the monitor yes. that they that they were watching the pitches on twice. He did this twice. And that clear, like everyone who believes he's like a good dude. And that, you know, I, look, you're the manager of the team. If this is going on, you got to you might have to just say like, guys, this stops or I quit or whatever. Maybe he should have he could have taken a slightly more intense ethical position, but it sure doesn't seem like he's more of a problem than Jim Crane. And for Crane to get up there and say this didn't impact the game with zero evidence that it didn't impact the game is crazy. And and I. that's really the essence of what this is all about is it felt like. He, the, it felt like Manfred swooped in, levied a big fine of five million dollars. I mean, Crane's worth billions yeah, and billions and billions. Five million dollars is it's a, he made five million dollars today right, already. Right. And and so like I, I, it that's the thing that makes me that that really bums me out. Is it? It felt like the pun the the sort of result of the investigation was like you said, we're scapegoating these guys. Yeah. We're firing the manager and the GM where we can't deal with the players because we don't want to tangle with the union and we're protecting the owner. And that just doesn't give me any kind of warm, fuzzy feel. No,
1: it it tells you, that, you know, and, and look, Kennesaw Mountain Land is for all of his problems. He saved baseball. I mean, the, you know, the, you, you think about how bad this scandal was I and mean, baseball was in a very different place then. And they had a World Series thrown by the players. They literally threw the World Series and he came in and what if he does? He comes in and goes, All right, we're fining the White Sox five million dollars, you know, in, in nineteen nineteen money, which is
0: which is like twenty-eight bucks. Twenty eight bucks
1: and a car. They're gonna they they're getting fined those two things. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're gonna fire the manager and uh, you know, whoever the general manager was. I don't even know if the team had one. And the players are fine. We're not doing anything to the players. I mean if it, 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 it would be a joke, I mean, it would be an absolute joke. And so I, I don't Here, here's, you know what, let's, I want to get one more time to get back to AJ Hinch because the, uh, to me, this is so important. AJ Hinch has this great, has this reputation of being a great guy. And it's certainly something that I felt when I would, would spend any time with him at all. I don't know if that's true. Maybe, maybe it's all fake. Maybe it's all phony. I, I don't know, but he has his reputation as a great guy. He has a reputation of a guy that has like a, a, a pretty, you know, decent, um, you know, center, you know, that, that he he knows what's right and wrong. We know from reports that he knew this was wrong. We know from reports. I mean, that nobody disputes the fact that he knew this was wrong. The only thing that we feel from the reports are that he felt his only way to make his point was to smash the monitor two times. As manager of the team, he did not feel like he had the power to do anything more than smash the monitor. And people have said, well, that's because, oh, my God, Carlos Beltran had like this, what, swami-like effect, apparently, on all the players. The players so idolized and loved Carlos Beltran that, that they would not be dissuaded by the manager. The manager would have no power. Carlos Beltran just got there. He just got there. I, I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't have some sort of like. Look, like he's a veteran. He's a good guy, and 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 I'm sure people respected him. You cannot convince me that he felt like Carlos Beltran was so untouchable that he couldn't do anything. This came from above. There's no possible way that I can put it together in my mind that this came from anywhere but the front office. And I think it went to the top of the front office. I there's there's certainly. Um, evidence to suggest that's true and if it did go to the top of the front office there's no way jim crane was completely unaware of it the whole thing is to me faulty and if that's not true if it if it really was the players and the front office really didn't know anything about it and and jim crane really was innocent and completely out of of, of touch and out of the loop and the and the base and MLB is right about all of these things man they've done a really poor job of proving it you know i mean this investigation yeah so shoddy and so ridiculous and i think that is the biggest contributor to this malaise the malaise is yes this thing sucked but the malaise to me comes from baseball's not doing anything to stop it from happening again they're not doing anything to to sort of you know gauge what uh you know how bad this really is for the game you know they gave their biggest fine. The fine is meaningless. The fine, look, Facebook just got fined whatever five billion dollars, and they laughed. I mean, you're you're telling me you're going to a billionaire for five million bucks? It's nothing. It's it's finding you and me like you know four bucks. So I mean, it's nothing. Uh, the players are untouched, and the 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 manager and general manager were fired, but both of them were somewhat cleared in the report. I mean, the baseball's done nothing. And and that's, yeah. that's heartbreaking. It really
0: is. I, at the very least, like you know, I I think in an ideal world, there there's like a, a much harsher, much 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 harsher penalty f- uh, for the right. owner. That's I think, that's really uh, and we, because that it's just uh, if we if you don't if if you just indemnify the people at the very top of the food chain for everything that happens and let them claim that they didn't know what was going on or whatever. It just, it's just sent such a bad yeah. message. It, it, you know, other than, other than imposing a harsher penalty, I wish that Manfred had said, um, we, uh, you know, we're limited in the scope because of collective bargaining and because of all this other stuff of, of what we can do. However, I am designating a new, um, rule. I'm just, I'm the commissioner and, and I, there's a new rule and it's just a a probation rule. And this franchise is on extremely strict probation for the next five years. And there are going to be unannounced audits and checks of their clubhouse and of their way of doing business. And they're going to, and their GM is going to have to like report to me and do like, blah, 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 whatever it is. Like, just like we're the cop, mom and dad are watching. Like at some point, that's what you want. Like, at the at the very least, I just feel like they could have said like, "We're limited right now because of the rules that are in place uh, in terms of what we can do, and that's why we're making new rules." Yeah. And there's going to be new rules now, and and the new rules are going to be X, Y, and Z, and they're going to apply to all teams, but they're especially going to apply to the Astros <laughs> and any other team. They'll apply to the Red Sox too if they if we if our investigation reveals that they were involved in this stuff, and uh, and that at least that would give you some. A feeling like some action had really been taken. This feels like a bandaid, well, that's you know.
1: Right. And 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 that would also be a direct shot at at Jim Crane, which I think is to me the biggest missed piece. I know people will say not punishing the players is the biggest missed piece, and and it's there. There's no question about it. We all know, you know, the collective bargaining, and also they gave them immunity for 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 answering the questions and all those things. But Jim Crane is skated. As far as baseball goes, they have they have gone out of their way, exactly as you said, to make sure that nothing comes back to him, that he can stand in it with a straight face in front of people and tell people this had no impact on the game. I'm sorry you have failed your job as a commissioner. If that's. He, what you yeah, let he, him threw, he, well, like, pride, <laughs>
0: he threw it in your face, man. Like, wouldn't you be upset? Like, have some pride, Rob Manfred. He threw it in your face. He got up in a press conference. It was like, we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It was fine. Everything's fine. We won the World Series. We're moving on. Like, that's that's amazing. Like, that that's an affront to your uh-huh. leadership. And it, it, it just bums me it's out. Dumb. And now we'll talk about the other thing. Yes,
1: because there out. is another thing that is <laughs> bumming you out. Probably more, just because it's a little more personal. Um, you and I actually were going to do this as a draft, and we did not. And now I regret we didn't do this as a draft. But um, I think either the last time or the time before, we were going to draft – players who uh should stay with their franchises for their entire careers right we were gonna like we were gonna create a rule that basically you that you not only like and and we don't want to cost any of the players money but basically if players who are so perfect for their teams that that they have to stay with their team forever, and the team always has to pay them, like, the most money in baseball. Like, whatever it takes right. to make it work. So we, we were going to put Francisco Lindor in Cleveland forever. Like, that's – it just feels like Francisco Lindor should always be – uh, you know, in Cleveland, that's it's such a great fit. It won't happen. He's not gonna be there much longer. But just how p- perfect he is for that team for that city and how much they love him and how lovable he is, and all of that. Uh, I think at the time we were gonna put Jose Altuve on there. That's a whole new thing. <laughs> but number and of course Mike Trout, which you know, hey, let's let's you know, I know the Angels take a lot of hits and they should for never building a team that wins around Mike Trout, but they're not letting Mike Trout go anywhere either, right? I mean, they're right. they're making sure, hey, we got, we got the best player in baseball. We're going to keep him. So all kudos to them. But number one on our list after Mike Trout was a guy, I don't know if you've heard of him, a uh, little guy named Mookie Betts. Mookie
0: Betts yes, you? I have, have heard, heard of him? him. He played for the Red Sox until recently was uh, salary dumped to the <laughs> L.A. Dodgers.
1: How depressing is it? First of all, I think across baseball. It's not that not that there's anything wrong with the Dodgers, but it is utterly depressing across baseball to me that a player who is so perfect, so synchronized with a team, um, the way Mookie Betts is, and Mookie Betts might have left anyway. I'm not I'm not you know discussing that part of it, but somebody so perfectly suited, uh, somebody who is so joy, somebody who was already maybe your favorite ever Red Sox, certainly right there in the top three. A favorite ever Red Sox gets salary dumped. It's depressing across baseball, but how does it feel for you as a Red Sox fan?
0: Well, let's, let's begin with the, this sort of eagle eye view of the, of the situation, which is to say there were multiple reports that the team tr- made offers to him, right. right uh, to extend him and that he turned them down. And it could be the case that he had just decided like you said to move on like he had decided after this year he's going to get 30 million dollars this year in his final arbitration year and at the end of the year he's going to test the free agent market as is his right to do so right so then you say okay well there's options for a team when you have a player like that um one of them is to do what they did which is try to get some value any kind of value for him before he leaves another is to hold on to him and keep trying To make those offers over the course of the year to see how it pans out maybe you know uh maybe he has a change of heart right maybe the team gets off to a hot start and he loves playing there and blah 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 blah, blah. maybe he maybe he doesn't perform as well and he starts thinking like oh boy maybe you know he gets hurt and misses a month and then you say well you know you're not going to hit the free agent market at the top of your at the at your peak level and last year was a slightly down year for him compared to the year before and and, you know, maybe you're not going to get 42 million a year or right. whatever you think you're going to get. Maybe you're only going to get 38. And why don't we give you 40 and you stay here for eight years? So let me
1: throw one more out. Let uh, me throw one more out there. Maybe you realize sure. you're the Boston Red Sox and you make a billion dollars and you just outbid everybody for him. I mean,
0: that's another option. The, the other <laughs> option would be to say whatever you get from any other team, we're giving you a dollar more. So just let's figure this out. Right. right? So um, but uh, but again, also, we don't know. Maybe he just doesn't like maybe. Boston. You know, maybe maybe he's just like, you know what? He's not from there. Uh, He's from Tennessee, I think, or something like that. And Nashville, right? And so maybe he's just like, I like warm weather. I hate (laughs) Boston and April's miserable. And I want to go to, I want to play in Atlanta or I want to play in Dallas or I want to play in LA, whatever. But here's my point. I get it that this quote unquote smart thing to do is to get value for a player who's going to leave and leave you with nothing. However, I would also say, once every, I don't know, 100 years, a player comes along who is so good and is so beloved by the city and so exemplifies everything that you want to be as an organization mm-hmm. that it might benefit you, honestly, in terms of like your fan base to just suck it up and let him walk yep. and get another year out of him and and legitimately be able to look your fans in the eye and say – I know we didn't get any value for him. I know there's no prospects coming back in a trade, but we just couldn't trade him because we loved him so yeah. much and because he's what we wanted. We made the best possible effort. And at the end of the day, he wanted to go somewhere else and play somewhere else. And we wish him the best because he's great. Right. And I I totally get the, the insanity of that. If you look at this from a sort of quantitative analysis, big picture, long-term, 10-year plan, five chess moves ahead kind of a deal, you're not getting anything back for him. And the and for whatever it's worth, the Red Sox got three prospects back from the Dodgers who, you know, Verdugo, uh, you know, is has a broken back right now or something. But but at least he's like he projects to be a legitimate major league outfielder. And they got a couple sort of lottery pick type, you know, uh, guys who were might turn into something, a guy who throws 100 miles an hour. And or actually well, that was the guy we we're gonna get from the twins who turned out to need <laughs> shoulder surgery or whatever. The whole thing is such a mess. But I get it. I get it that we got something back. I'm telling you, I know it doesn't make sense. I would rather have him for another year than get Alex Verdugo. I just would. I don't care because ultimately Fenway Sports Group is worth more than seven billion dollars. And the amount of money that you would have paid him, even with luxury tax, is not that much. And it's your own damn fault that you signed Nathan Evaldi right. to its four year deal after the World Series when his arm is constantly falling apart. And it's your own f- damn fault that you signed Chris Sale to an extension when he's a guy who he's six, eight and weighs 104 <laughs> pounds. And you signed him to like this end to this five year deal for 140 million dollars or whatever it is. So don't don't like the phrase is don't throw good money after bad. But this is th- there are there's an exception to that. If you have all the money, go ahead and throw good money after bad, because at least you then have the good money. <laughs> at least you have the thing that you bought with the good money. And I and I I like pay, ship Nathan Avoldi off and pay eighty five percent of his salary and save in the save something in the margins and ship ship Price off if you want to and pay seventy percent of his salary. Do like I I I know I'm sure they tried a bunch of this stuff. I'm sure that they I'm sure they didn't do make come to this conclusion lightly. No. But but at the end of the day, like this is the result of everything that's happened. Is every Red Sox fan I know is miserable, and so regardless of what the reasoning was or what he wanted to do or anything else, everybody's miserable. And so now you have the situation where you're heading into a new season. You had a down year last year. They were only like six games over 500 last year, eight games or whatever it was. And we're two years away from the best season in history, and the best player in the probably they've ever had since ted williams is now gone and there's there's they're not the yankees are better than they were last year and the red sox are worse and there's literally nothing to look forward to and it's a it's like that is the worst worse than the feeling of retroactively questioning the result on the field of a baseball season is heading into a baseball season with nothing to look forward to and that's where we are right well the
1: you've hit to me the most important point. And, and it's a point that I see missed a lot. Look, nobody, I don't think anybody who, who is like a devoted follower of the game would would say that the, what the Red Sox, look, the Red Sox have been, you know, they've spent more money than just about anybody to try to win. It's not like nobody's saying, well, I mean, I'm not saying nobody, I know people are saying it, but nobody should be saying the Red Sox are, are cheap or that the Red Sox have like not, uh you know not gone all in to win because they have and and they've consistently gone all in to win and they you know that's that goes back to even the years when when they wouldn't win i mean they they they've never the, the lack of ambition has never been a problem for the Boston Red Sox here to me was the big thing and you you just hit on it in the last part trading uh mookie bats right now for let's be honest pretty sketchy draft pick. I mean, pretty sketchy prospects, right? Verdugo uh, has a little bit of an off-field issue, and he's heard those pitchers, like you said, they're just, maybe they'll be fine, but you don't know. They were going to get draft picks. I mean, it wasn't like it was, they were going to get nothing, but, but let's say that you did maximize uh, what you're getting out of him. So what? Because to me, you threw away 2020. You just threw it away. Not only did you throw it away as a competitive thing, which is, which is bad enough. I mean, I'm sorry, this is part of the deal of being the owner and the, and the general manager of the Boston Red Sox is you have to compete every year. Like that's, that's the deal. That's how you get to be the Boston Red Sox, right? It's not, it's not like you can take a couple of years off, not, you can't do what the Astros did where you can take a couple of years off and, and be the worst team in baseball. So you can be good later. I mean you're the Boston Red Sox. You have the most money, you have the biggest tradition, you have, you know, you're you have the the biggest rival in the Yankees and you have to be there every year. So that's one. But the second thing is I mean it's a prime year of Mookie Betts. A, I mean this is this is Mookie Betts at his absolute best right now. He's going to be what? 27 next year.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: is his prime. This is this is the prime year and after this year You know, he'll, I mean, I hope he'll be good forever, but he'll be 28. Now you're starting to get on the other side of that prime. He'll sign a long-term deal. It'll probably end up not working out at the end. Like all these long-term deals do you worry about that when you worry about that. I mean, to me, it is priceless as a competitor, as a fan building. uh, You know, if you're a, if you're a young Red Sox fan one year of Mookie Betts could make you a fan for life. I mean, this is, this is, I, I mean to me the value of 2020 with Moogie Betts was so completely underestimated in this move. And and underestimated in all the analysis I've seen of this move. You know, everybody's talking, well, you know, the Red Sox that you have to they were gonna lose him anyway. That it does they weren't gonna lose him until the end of 2020. He was gonna have one full year, which is not that's I mean, how many years is he gonna play? I mean, that's one fifteenth of his career. And, and they just, they, they gave that away out of some sort of like long-term plan that probably won't work anyway. I just thought it was gross. I really did. I, you know, and I, I, I think what I think it is, I don't think it was cheapness. I think it was outsmarting themselves. I think they, they let, they, they stopped thinking a little bit with your heart. And I realize that you can get in some real danger, just building around your heart. But I think they put the heart thing completely aside Thought just with their brains, thought of Mookie Betts as more of a commodity than as this unbelievably wonderful player who, as you said, best player in Boston, you know, since Yaz in '67 for sure. Um, they and they just and they just didn't uh, they didn't go to the wall for it. And I I just to me as a fan, especially a fan of a very smart organization like the Red Sox, that could not be more depressing.
0: I just don't know who you go to the wall for if not that right. guy. That's a, that, you know, uh, and 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 I include even like I mean the look the the most important thing. John Henry tried to compare it in that letter he yeah, wrote to that, trading Nomar. That letter I didn't, in, I didn't love that letter by the way. That I didn't love that <laughs> letter either. <laughs> he tried to compare he tried to compare it to Nomar. Now the difference is Nomar in two thousand four. Nomar the, before Mookie may be the most beloved. Sure. Red sock of my lifetime. Uh, uh, post, you know, post. post yes. Let's say Jim yeah, Rice, Jim I guess, Rice, yeah. or post. Yeah, in in part because the the name Nomar Garcia para <laughs> so is the most fun name to say in a Boston accent, and so it he was a perfect fit. I saw the game in, uh that he he hit three home runs at Fenway on his birthday once. I lost my mind. Everyone like <laughs> it, it, he was he was just so beloved. Oh, yeah. But by the time they traded him, he was he was broken right. down. He had missed enormous chunks of multiple seasons. He was unhappy. He was giving sad interviews and grouchy interviews to the media. Right. Which, by the way, I don't blame him for that. The media in Boston's <laughs> awful. <laughs> but when they traded him, it was like it was shocking to think of Nomar on another team. But it wasn't inconceivable no. at all wow. to trade him. It was like, well, okay, here we go. Like they they had concluded that they could not win the World Series with the infield defense the way it was. They got Orlando Cabrera. Their infield defense got a lot better. Orlando Cabrera went on a magical he hitting hit, run in the yeah. playoffs. They won the World Series and everybody was happy. And and Nomar is still beloved. And when he when he came back, he got a 71-minute standing <laughs> ovation. This is completely different. Totally different. This is this couldn't be more different. Like Mookie, Mookie Betts is uh he is the exactly the guy that you need to have in your uniform for 19 years, and you need to overpay him dramatically what? for the last seven of those years, and you need to. He needs to go on a Derek Jeter like victory tour in his last season. And you need to have a day where you raise his, uh, where you retire his number. End of story. Like this, just, I'm sorry. That's like the, you, this, look, Dustin Pedroia is being paid like 12 or 13 million bucks this year and also <laughs> next year. He hasn't played in years. And, and they, and he, you know, he signed a 10 year extension, whatever it was, seven years ago, eight years ago. And uh, no one is sad about no. that. No one cares. It's fine. Because that, because you just were like, that's the, like Dustin Pedroia when Manny Ramirez went down with an injury in whatever it was, 2007, he hit cleanup. He was like, he's five one, and he was hitting cleanup, and it was glorious, and they won the World Series again, and, and it was like this, stay forever, just stay forever. Like, we'll overpay you, and he took a very team-friendly deal at the time, by the way. That was a good sure. deal. But he's still being paid to not play, and no one minds, because there are just certain people that you have to have on your team forever. Like Aaron judge is never going to play for another team. He's going to play for the Yankees forever right. and he's enormous and he lumbers around right field and he crashes into walls and he's going to miss enormous chunks of time with injuries and Yankees fans will not care because the Yankees are a billion dollar franchise. They make a billion dollars a minute and sort of the Red Sox. And you, the reason you the way you capitalize on that money is you're smart and you try to draft well and you try to like make good trades and you try to pay guys in, you try to get good, you know, free agents and fill in different pieces on your 25 man roster. And then also you take some of those billions of dollars of revenue and you lock up guys forever and you retire their numbers and they become part of louis tiont sells sausages on lansdowne street and it's like yes that's what that's what mookie Bet should be doing when he's 75 he should be selling sausages on lansdowne street and taking pictures with fans and now that whole it's all been ruined it's all gone it's a complete disaster for the franchise they've lost They've taken people who two years ago could not have been more excited about the team, and an entire new generation of fans was was coming into the fold. And it's all been frittered away. And I don't think there's any good excuse for how uh, for for for, the, for making this move, even if you want to get super like unemotional and quantitative about it, and want to talk about like maximizing value on your return of investment yeah. and blah 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 that stuff falls completely short of a very basic role that you have as the owner of a team like the Red Sox which is make your fans happy and keep your team exciting and lovable and and i i just i can't find any enthusiasm to watch the team this well, year. Well
1: and that's and that's exactly right. There's one other point i want to make and 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 this is a point that i've made numerous times in 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 stories i know we've talked about it some on this podcast. In 2018 when Mookie Betts had Maybe the greatest Red Sox season of your lifetime. I would you say maybe
0: Oh without yeah, question. Yeah. I without would say, question. Because you know, yeah, yeah. I
1: think you have to go back to Yaz, and that Yaz is a little before you. So uh and really before me, I was born in, in sixty-seven. But um but 2018, Mookie Betts made ten million dollars. It's a ton of money. I'm I'm not I'm not downplaying ten million. I I would if anybody wants to offer me ten million dollars, I'm I'm up. So that that's that's it's a lot of money. Uh, it's it's a tremendous amount of money. Do you know what FanGraphs uh, estimates Mookie Betts' value was in 2018?
0: I mean, that was his 10 WAR season, right? right? That was his 10 WAR season. So I'd I'd guess 45 million,
1: 83 million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> 83 million and that does not even include the fact that they went to the world series and won it right and that mookie was a huge part of that that's just a- and
0: that he hit a home run in game <laughs> right. five like i mean right, right. yeah no yeah. that is
1: pure value just based on wins above replacement. 83 million now you could argue with that you can say no nah, that's just that's impossible that's wrong he probably wasn't worth any more than 60 million but the point is <laughs> spend the money and keep mookie bets for one more year what what is i mean Go, you know, I just keep saying that again, go to the wall. How do you not go to the wall for that guy? And, and honestly, to me, the, the explanations have been, they're not worse because they're, they're perfectly logical and they make sense. But I think they're, they have only made this more depressing because it has basically said to the fans, look. I know we're the Boston Red Sox, I know we're worth billions and billions of dollars. I know that as owner, John Henry has been one of the most, uh, aggressive and, and, uh, and, and smart and, and, you know, feisty owners in the game. And, and we know that he's, he's had a little bit of success. I don't know if you've heard about this with, with another team, uh, in the world. So, um, so you, you, you can say all of those things and, and they'd all be true, but, When you're as a, when you're describing why you traded, uh, a superhero like Mookie bats and you were basically saying, well, we probably were going to lose him and we want to maximize and you know, we, we, we didn't want to lose him for nothing. And it's like, man, you've just lost me. You've just, you've just lost me as a fan. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, you know what? Here's, here's one other point I want to make. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I do not care less about 2022. I don't care. I'll worry about that when I get there. I don't care. You figure that out later. Don't tell me that you're as a Boston Red Sox fan. You're worried about being competitive in 2022. So you're going to trade Mookie Betts now? That is not going to play in my mind, right?
0: Yeah, I I think your only move. And again, we're talking about, we, look, just to back up for a second. there are There aren't two more intense sort of money ball dudes in the world than you and me, right? Right. Like we're, we get, we, we are all in on the smart front office and the way that like front offices have made mistakes in the past and all that stuff. We're talking about a once in a generation guy. We're not talking about, you're not doing this with Andrew Benintendi, right? You're not doing it with, with you are maybe not even doing it with Xander Bogarts. I mean, they locked him up already for, in a very good deal. But you're 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 doing this for like the guy who is every once in a while you find a guy who's the face of your franchise. And when you find that guy, you just don't let him That's go. Right. And and if you and if he leaves, he leaves. it is despite the right. fact that you have made a market best attempt to keep him. So you for Mookie Betts, you you do not trade him. You keep him for this year. You keep negotiations open. You get to the a uh, uh, point where you say, look, the current. Uh, record for a contract is Mike Trout who makes whatever it is. What's his, does he average? Is it 40, 36, 37, something like that. You say, we're going to beat that record. We're going to offer you the Mike Trout deal, but we're going to pay you an additional 5 million bucks or whatever. You're going to be the highest paid player in baseball to stay here for 10 years. And if six years in, it's the worst deal ever. Oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) like, Oh, well, that's, that's too bad that it didn't work out. But you don't just you don't trade that guy for value ever. You just you, and you certainly don't trade him to get under the luxury tax when uh-huh. the reason you're over the luxury tax is other terrible deals.
1: Oh, that that's made. right. Oh, that's that's so right. 30. Yeah. 35.58 for for Trout. Um, 12- All
0: right. And 36 okay. for Garrett Cole. Right. So so look, it would it would it, it unless you can show me proof that they offered him a 10 year deal For. 370 million dollars i don't i'm not happy about this if they did offer that and he turned it down then there's nothing you can do. But I don't think they offered. that. I still keep him
1: for the year. I just keep him for the year I and mean, then let him think about it for a year, you know, be be with the organization. Right. Try to beat the Yankees, by the way. We we need teams that are willing to try to beat the Yankees, uh, obviously. Right, I-
0: there is currently one team that could beat the Yankees and it's the team Mookie Betts now plays <laughs> for.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's all the way in the World Series. I do not want to wait for the World Series to to somebody to take out the Yankees. I mean, this we can throw this into our Yankee Minute this, that the most depressing thing for me about the offseason was not... That they signed Garrett Call as depressing as that was, um, it was that one more team decided to basically cry uncle and yeah, and get, in and get out yeah. of the game. And I mean, their only team the only team in the American league right now. I mean, look, and I like the A's a lot and the twins are, are, are interesting or whatever, but let's be honest. The only team in the American league that at this point you think could beat the Yankees is the one team that I don't know if I'd be happy if they beat the Yankees. I mean, it's, it's the Astros. So, you know, it's, that just makes the whole American league just depressing beyond belief. And there's one other point I want to make on the other side of this. So the Dodgers get Mookie bats, the Dodgers, are absurd, all right? They're just an absolute absurdity. That lineup is is ridiculous. But you living in LA, you tell me, like, where does Mookie Betts fit into that sort of larger sports culture? You know, I mean, like, the Dodgers were already so star-driven, and now they just add, like, Mookie Betts in Boston is everything, right? Much of the way that Mookie Betts in almost any city would be everything. But in LA... He he might be their best player, but is he everything? And a team that already has Kershaw, and a team that already has Bellinger, and a team that that you know, I I mean, I don't know. Like what? Like is he? How do you look? How do you I, think he'll be in LA. I
0: think I think it depends, right? Because baseball out here is very muted. Like Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers draw four million fans a year. It's not like they don't have fans. Like the you know, the Dodgers are very popular sure. out here, but. It's hard, even in a year where they win 105 games or 106 games, it it they don't they don't penetrate the culture of the town in, in the same way that say the Lakers right. do. And now that LeBron is here, nobody's nobody's gonna break out of the Dodgers. Like it's impossible. All anyone does around here is talk about LeBron and Kawhi, which is fair. Yeah. Like the, why I mean, wouldn't they? they? Yeah. The 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 two best teams in the Western Conference were playing in the same city, and it's with exciting. two
1: great players. I mean, two, yeah.
0: I will yes, exactly. I will say that. When Manny Ramirez came here and went bananas yes. for like two months, he did break yeah. through. There was like Manny, suddenly it was Manny Fever, and they they put up the sign that says Manny Wood in the outfield and like and in you it is possible. And so if Mookie comes here and just starts just tearing up the league, which is certainly possible given that he's a top three player in baseball and has been for four years now. Uh, if he really like jumps out and is, is like is a is like a gets off to a really hot start, he will become a thing here. Like, yeah. there's no question; he'll be a thing anyway because he's right, great and right. because the the Dodgers do have an a, a, you know, enormous amount of fans. But he will transcend. He can get to that transcendental level uh, in the way that he was in Boston if he if he really like jumps out to a hot start and if you know if the team goes you know 25 and 5 or something in the first 30 games and it's because he's drilling home runs and stealing bases and throwing guys out at second uh, from from the right field corner and all that sort of stuff i mean this you're right this team is bananas oh good God. like it is there's so i don't know now that they have him i don't know that there's a team more loaded with talent yeah, it, including the I Yankees. I, I, I really, I think they're the best team in baseball. And the, and he's going to be an absolute terror in oh. that lineup. Um, I mean, he's a terror in any lineup. But like with the with the guys, those guys hitting behind him, I mean, he's going to score 150 yeah. runs. Like it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. So who knows? I, I don't know. I hope he will. I mean, be frankly, that's what I'm rooting for this year. I'm now rooting, officially rooting for the Dodgers over the <laughs> Red Sox. I mean, there's nothing, there's no point in rooting for the Red Sox. And I'm going to go to Dodger Stadium, and I watch Manny. R- and I'm going to buy a, I'm going to buy a Mookie Betts jersey for my kid because uh, I, I would rather root for him and his success than I would for the team that I've been rooting for since I was a child. Look about
1: all those Mookie Betts Red Sox jerseys that are just in closets now, that's just so depressing to even think. Oh, it's such it's a bummer,
0: bummer, man. It's just such. a By the way, bummer. should
1: L.A. have Mike Trout and Mookie Betts in the same city? I mean, it's like is that? <laughs> does that seem like that's good?
0: They now have, you could argue, they now have the three best baseball players in the city. If you count Anaheim as part of yeah. LA, they've got Bellinger, Mookie Betts, and Mike Trout. They've got like so many MVPs <laughs> lying around. And they've got, you could argue, the two best players in basketball oh, yeah. here, too, in Kawhi and LeBron. I mean, this is, LA has suddenly become the white hot center of the entire sports universe.
1: It's that, I mean, do you think? I mean, you live out there. I mean, do you think? I mean, we've we've talked many times about Mike Trout, just not quite breaking through. Um, and, and, you know, part of that is that he's in the, he's on a distant second, most popular team in his own city and all that. But, uh, but is that, I mean, you know, for, for, since the majority of, of Americans live on, on, uh, you know, East of the Mississippi, suddenly you're, you know, that's who's, you got to stay up to watch Mookie bats. You got to stay up to watch Cody. You got to stay up to watch Mike Trout. I don't know. I don't know if that's that great. I mean, it seems like it was better yeah, when it was spread out. I don't think yeah. it is.
0: Yeah, it is. It's better when it's spread out, and it is better Like it's be- It is better when some of those guys are on the East Coast. But, I mean, living out here, it's great for me. <laughs> and let's face it, that's what this is all about.
1: I mean, it's really all about you. That's right. Absolutely. All right. It is time for our draft. For, for anybody who is listening to this for the first time uh, at The Athletic, I would hope that by now you've been scared off and are not still listening. Uh, but we always draft um, just dumb things, and we are this uh, week. We are drafting uh, things that are terrible about March, right? Is this is this sort of the way we're we're drafting it?
0: Yeah, just dumb, terrible. The worst things <laughs> the about worst March. things
1: about March, right? Uh, and that's it. That's the only instruction, and uh, you have the first pick.
0: Well, I'm I'm a little bit unclear. We don't, oh, if by the way, if you're listening to this for the first time, we also never discuss like the rules Ever. of the draft or what we mean by the topic. Like, it, it, so it's it's even more sort of pointless than it already <laughs> sounds like it is, because uh, we don't even agree sometimes on like no, what we mean, we're drafting completely <laughs> different things. We don't because we
1: both misunderstood what we were trying to do here.
0: I think that I I, I there's like a there's a way you could go very specific with these things or you could go very broad with these things. So I'm going to do a very broad one as my number one pick. And then we, the the future picks from either you or me might end up being like basically subsets of this, but the number one pick and, and it's, it's the obvious thing to say. And the reason that this topic was even suggested is it's the sports doldrums. so bad. It's just the worst month for sports so just to check in for a second we're at like a month past the super right. bowl which itself is like the dying whimper of the football right. season because there's two weeks before it and then it's one game and then it's over and it's barely even about football at a certain <laughs> point right so we're a month out of the super bowl and that's the begin at the beginning right. of march the nba is basically like uh. teams are just like jockeying for playoff position a little bit there's There's not really any drama there um the hockey same thing baseball is like two weeks into an interminably long (laughs) 57 week (laughs) spring training uh and the the thing that used to save sports in march was march madness and does anyone really care outside of degenerate gamblers (laughs) does anyone care about march madness i can't imagine I mean, it must be like it, it, it's fun to make your bracket right. and it's fun to whatever. But like, do you know anything about a col I saw the Duke, who's like third in the country, lost to Wake Forest, who was like nine and 18. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I, I did, it gives me no feeling at all. I'm completely numb to college basketball. So the number one worst thing about March as a month is that. there's just nothing interesting happening in the world of sports.
1: You know, we, we once drafted uh, months and, and I believe since we drafted 10, we had to leave two on the board and I know we left February and I think we left another one, but you know, I think February is better than March. The, the, the one thing about February is for baseball, like there's excitement because it's just starting, right? Like, so pitchers and catchers are not this year so much because it's all been about the Astros, but pitchers and catchers report and then players report and everybody's in the best shape of their lives. And then, and then like the first games happen and you're like, wow, baseball, like, look at the, there's actual baseball games by March. That's gone, right? By March, by, by March, it's like, oh God, they're still playing games that don't count. And, and, and they just, and they're not only going to play games that don't count. They're going to play games that don't count for a very long time for like, I mean,
0: it is, it is, it is crazy crudle. how long spring it's training crudle. is. And I'll we'll say it again. The, the point of spring training used to be that guys would, like, smoke cigarettes and eat a bunch of steak in the offseason and show up to spring training, like, 30 pounds right. overweight, and they needed the spring training to get them back down to, to their playing weight. That doesn't no. happen anymore. They do CrossFit four times a day the entire offseason. Why are we still doing seven week spring training? It's absurd! It's it's so it's crazy. So absurd.
1: Although it's fun when we go, it's fun to be at a spring training thing. But even if you go, you're not sticking around for the whole game. I mean, you know, by the by no. the fifth inning, they're putting in guys that you're like, oh, that guy's like a single A player. I'm not watching this anymore. So yeah, it's 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 depressing. I agree. And so sports thing and March Madness, I know nothing. I know you know what I know, and and I only found this out. Apparently, North Carolina is terrible.
0: Like 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 yes, legitimately they are.
1: terrible, and like I and I live in North Carolina, I was unaware of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this thought occurred to me to put a fine point on this. Um, March is the Tuesday of months. <laughs> it really isn't it. It's like there's nothing interesting about it. It's like that. It's roughly equivalent in the year to where Tuesday is in the week. Yep. And it it just, it's caught between other more interesting months. It's just, it's It's, it's, garbage. It's
1: a garbage month. It's garbage. All right. My second, my first pick, uh, you know, I mean, I can go on and on about the sports thing and and I'm sure we'll get back to it, but you know, let's, let's bounce around a little bit. Um, my, my first pick is March is the only holiday in March is like St. Patrick's day and St. Patrick's is, is terrible. It's a terrible holiday. It's, I mean, I'm not, I mean, no offense to those who, who, uh, are, are irish and 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 are in in heart or in spirit uh i am not i don't care i hate it i i don't i don't the whole idea that you have to wear green is stupid to me uh everything about saint patrick's day feels terrible and it's not even like a real holiday and that you get like work off or anything it's like one of those it's it's like a it's it's a holiday you're supposed to enjoy while getting no benefits out of um and that's it That's it. There's there's literally nothing else to in in the entire month. Like every month has like a President's Day or something that like, oh, hey, we didn't get mail today. Like this is this is like a real holiday of some kind. And March has none of that. I'm sorry. I need a holiday of some kind to break things up. So
0: my wife is Irish and I hate (laughs) St. Patrick's Day. It's it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It shouldn't exist. And by the way, there's one other famous day in March, and it's the day Julius Caesar was <laughs> murdered <had>
1: March.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pick. It's a good pick. It's not it was not my number one cho- uh, pick. I had it like third on sure. the board, but uh, yeah, yeah the, the holiday stinks. Um here's the second uh, my second pick. Everyone is sick oh all the God. time. <laughs> so true. Everyone is always <laughs> sick. and there's and it's it's two things. I mean, forget about coronavirus, right? right now, everyone in the world is sick, but in general, in March, there's a bunch of people who like have the flu or colds because it's still flu and cold season. And then there's a bunch of other people who get allergies because it's be- the beginning of like the intense allergy season. So it's like this perfect storm of just runny noses and coughing and, and chills and and fatigue and awfulness. Everyone everywhere is sick throughout the month of March and it it and then. And if you have kids like you and I do, you get to spring oh. break and and everyone is yeah. sick and your kids are sick and they're home and you can't really do anything. And you try to take a trip somewhere. You drive to the Grand Canyon or something and it's just like sneezing and coughing in the car. It, it's, it's the entire world gets sick on March 1st and is sick through March 31st.
1: That's oh, yeah. no, awful. It's absolutely awful. It's it's you know and and i'll tell you what it leads right into my second pick and 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 there's a there's a specific reason why to me march everybody gets sick march p- pretends to be something that it's not if you're in february or in january for sure you know it's winter it's cold it's snow it's it's the worst march because y- y- Suddenly, in the middle of there, you throw daylight savings time in there. You you March officially begins spring. March pretends to be like, oh yeah, things are getting better. No, it's it's things are the days are getting a little longer. It's but it's not getting better. It's not. That's the snow is still coming. The bad weather is still coming. The sickness is still coming. All of March is like a fraud. March is March is by far to me the most fraudulent of all the months. It just it. It pretends to be like, oh, we're in like a lion and out like a lamb. And no, it's it's absolutely brutal. And 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 yeah, every single person, you know, gets sick in March.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is fraudulent. It should be it should be indicted for fraud because it promises you something. It's like spring is starting. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Growing up in New England, it would be like, and it's the first day of spring. No, no it's not. not the first day of spring. I don't care <laughs> no, what you say. No, it's not the first spring's day of spring. It's
1: not even close. We're not even really close to spring because April is yeah. a little bit fraudulent yeah. as well. April pretends.
0: Like, oh, yeah. A- April, but April can... You have a chance you have in a April. Chance. You have no by the
1: end of, of April, it's good. March, the whole month of March. No.
0: So here's my third pick. Um, It's too oh, long. Yeah. It's too <laughs> long. It's It's got 31 days in it, so you're suffering through these like endless days of fraudulent, terrible weather, and everybody's sick, and you get to, like, March 28th, and you're like, well, at least it's over soon. No, it's still – you still go another half a week. It just goes on forever. There's it, – it, you can't – like, when I every year when it's March 31st, I have the same feeling. It's still March? How is it still March? It makes me furious. It's, like, the worst month, and it's too long. Yeah. I'm actually surprised – I'm surprised that March isn't 35 days long. <laughs> like, that would be – that – it's like it's a it's a huge upset to me that they didn't somehow make March thirty five days instead it's, of thirty one. It's
1: absolutely uh, it's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And and, <laughs> and no, it, I mean because again to give February like February, i have I'm gained a new appreciation for February in that totally humble, just twenty eight days. Just with all that's that's it. We'll start with the Super Bowl. It's just twenty eight days. Look, we're not asking a lot for you. We know it's tough. We know we're a tough month. Gonna make it nice and short. Hey, it's national uh black history month too. Okay, we'll give you, you know, it gives you an opportunity to learn a little something. It's nice. March has nothing. It march and and then it's like not even thirty days. Like if it was thirty days, you would you would respect it. But no, thirty one, we're going to the max on how terrible March is. Just awful. All right. With my uh third pick, I'm gonna um are we a third or fourth pick? I guess third pick.
0: This is three. Yeah, for I'm you.
1: gonna I'm gonna uh, sort of latch on a little more on uh, on on the sports thing that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, I'm I'm just gonna point directly to March Madness. All right, so here's here's my thing with March Madness. You know this about me? I'm not a playoff person, right? I I I like regular season stuff. I get it. I understand. I mean, not that I don't love playoffs. I love them because they are. But if I my preference would be to, to put more emphasis on the season and less emphasis on these sort of shootout one and done type of, of, of things, you know, baseball is talking about a whole new um, postseason that I'm not a fan of at all because it just, you know, the season already feels so less meaningful than it used to. And and this would basically add two more playoff teams to each league, which to me, it's like, well, what's the point of even having a regular season, certainly having 162 games, Regular season, you know, it's just it's you. You might as well just cut it all off. March Madness, I've enjoyed immensely. I'm not going to say that I've not had wonderful times watching March Madness and the and the buzzer beaters and all of the great things. And and I used to love college basketball. And I wrote a lot about it. Um, but March Madness itself goes against the very fundamentals of what I totally believe sports should be. I mean, it is truly a shoot a complete crap shoot, right it's just that they don't even pretend for it to be anything other than a complete crap shoot it's like well we're gonna take a bunch of teams seed them sort of off the top of our heads and then just have them play each other one game and 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 whoever like ends up winning uh, is your national champion right like this is and and it is to me it's like an incredibly cockamamie stupid uh way to do it but it has led to some wonderful moments. And so through the years, March Madness developed this beautiful romance about it because everybody remembers NC State like upsetting everybody and getting to the championship and winning it, or or you know, or Indiana doing you know, all of that stuff, or Jordan hitting the game-winning shot against Georgetown. And and it is it has covered up that it is still an incredibly crappy system. And now that college basketball is you know what it is which is you know essentially a one-year uh playground for for nba players and and it's you know and, and they keep adding teams like how many do you even know how many teams are in march madness now
0: it's 68 right? i think right? it's
1: still 68 but i thought it's not 70 they might even make it 70 i mean it's like they just keep throwing in these extra little lines on the on the bracket you know that it's like oh those guys are playing in to, to get in and all of that um it's brutal. It's it's I it's a bad system and and uh, and I just I just because I don't care as much about college basketball, I'm not willing to overlook that anymore. So March Madness is one of the worst things about March.
0: Let's uh, quick side note: um, the NFL playoff system was perfect. Right? It was right. perfect. It was six teams in each out of out of fifteen or whatever out of sixteen right. in each conference. The top two get a buy, mm-hmm. three plays six, four plays five, right? And and there was there was everybody had something to play for. Like the t- number one seed was slightly better than the number two seed because it's home field throughout the right. playoffs. The two seed is better than the three because you get a buy. The three is better than the home. four because you get the worst right. team. Yeah. Blah blah blah. They, it was a it's a perfect system. It it and now they're adding a seventh team and they're going to ruin it. And it, and it's it's so funny. That these leagues can't, they have it just every it's capitalism right. writ large. It just it has to keep getting bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like you eventually get to a point where you have like in basketball, 16 out of 30 teams make the playoffs. More than half the teams make the playoffs. Like it's and then you sure. get these one, eight matchups where the eighth seed is you know 30 and 52 or something and it's like there's no you've utterly eliminated drama and you're like wearing out the players and they then the players they're like well there's like there's multiple there's four rounds of the playoffs you gotta rest these guys and so they rest them during the regular season and then everyone gets angry at them for resting during the regular season but they're like well the regular season is pointless because <laughs> it doesn't matter and and it's like they can't help themselves they just keep they make they make everything get bigger and expand more and get more revenue and now there's 70 teams and eventually it'll be 96 teams and they'll just keep going until they won't stop until they have utterly destroyed the integrity of the of the actual process and by the way side note to the side note a huge reason that i can't tolerate march madness anymore is in a world where we're still just like no no Amateur athletics are pure and important, and we can't bother to, we can't possibly pay these players, even though CBS pays billions of dollars, billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to the NCAA to air these games. That's all I can yeah. think about. Then when it's like, you can watch all these games, they're all being, they're on TBS and they're on TNT and they're on CBS and they're on this and they're on that. And it's like, that's all revenue that's just going into the NCAA. Yeah. And the players are playing for free, and it's it's insane. It's, brutal. it's, brutal. it's a it's a celebration of how corrupt the NCAA Speaking is. Speaking of how corrupt the NCAA
1: is, uh, there's another March Madness thing. Baseball is getting a little bit of this too. But you know what? You are not a legitimate sporting event if I don't have any idea what channel you're on. Right? I mean, <laughs> I, just, I literally like what? Like I know I want to watch the Kansas game. Like oh, it's not it's it's on TNT three. I like what is it on? It doesn't. Now, true TV, it's on true TV. That's what it's on. I mean, it's.
0: There awful. you go. I mean, sure. Come
1: on. Awful.
0: Um, all right. My fourth pick um, is, a, is a rhetorical question. Ooh. When March 1st comes around, what is the next thing in the future that you're looking forward to? Ooh,
1: Good question.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Part of the part of the part of the problem of March is there's nothing in the no. future. There's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing I mean, the number one thing you can look forward to is opening right. day, I guess. Right. That's a month yep. away. It's a, it used to be April 1st and sometimes now they do it on like March oh, this 30th year's or whatever be March, early
1: March. yeah, March 26th or something. Yeah.
0: Right, because now they're doing these whatever, these things. But like that but uh, okay, so now even take baseball out of it. What's the next thing you're looking forward wow. to in the in any realm, in like in 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 sports, entertainment? uh, uh, the culture, the world of, uh, visual arts, <laughs> like poetry, what like, literally there's nothing to look forward to. It's really bad. It's, it's like, it's, it's not just a doldrum for sports in terms of what's happening. It's, it's a doldrum for sports, like for, for everything, for the country, for the world, looking all the way to basically like, like graduation from, from schools where your kids like graduate or like whatever. I or, or Memorial Day, maybe you'd say Memorial Day weekend. I'm looking forward to Memorial Day yeah. weekend. It's just there's n- there's so little on the f- in the future landscape to look forward to that it it really you just the days just trudge by. It's March 8th and then it's March 13th and then it's March 17th and then it's March 22nd and you're just like there's nothing yeah. out there, man. It's like jo- Memorial Day and then after that July 4th. Yeah but that's so far away it's so and far it feels
1: away feels even further than it is yeah no I, you know what and that leads right into my fourth uh pick which is that uh march movies suck they're terrible they're <laughs> terrible right i mean it's like like oh and when you know and and it's funny because you'll like go to a movie and you'll see a preview and previews are always like they're coming out in july they're coming out in august they're coming out in october i mean it's Nothing comes out in March. Like March is just death. It's just and and there's really nothing on television either, right? They're the the new are these seasons even going on. I mean, they're basically coming to an end if if they're not, you know, whatever. And I mean, it, it is just a swamp of of nothing. It's just a swamp of nothingness. And
0: uh, that's a great point. Know, it's terrible. That's a really great point. I had never thought about that. I'm looking up right now in Box Office Mojo. The number one movies released okay. in March all let's time. See. Uh, let's see. So it looks like, I, I don't know if I'm reading this right, but, oh, wait, these aren't released in March. See, these are, I got I to get released okay. in March. All right, this is going to take a little while. <laughs> 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 because these are movies that were released, like Black Panther was released in February, but it has like the high, like the second highest March gross of all time. Is that,
1: are you looking at the best movies ever to come out in March?
0: I'm looking at the highest, uh, uh, you know, grossing movies per month, but they, but it's just in in. It doesn't say like released in March. It's only like which ones made the most money in March. So some of them are from February that then carried Uh, over. But you know, I'm looking at a ranker thing that is
1: saying the the best movies to the best movies, I guess, to come out in March, and they're claiming The Matrix actually came out in March.
0: No, it it came out in April. That's what I'm
1: saying. I think that this this thing is wrong. They're also claiming The Godfather came out in March, which you know, I mean. I don't know Fargo Fargo did Fargo come out in March they're saying Fargo came out in March
0: Fargo, well, maybe if, I, don't tr- I don't trust I don't trust any know of what? this if,
1: if Margo came out in, and Fargo uh came out in March that would actually make sense because Fargo is about the abyss right I mean that's basically Fargo is yes March.
0: March is March is the Fargo North Dakota of months <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: it's awful awful all right all
0: right for my for my last pick um this is a little. This is like a controversial one, but I believe uh, something good happens in March, but it has a negative effect. And the good thing is daylight savings starts. Um, Now, the reason it's good is because daylight savings is the proper time that we should all be observing. They should get rid of non-daylight. They should get rid of standard time. We should just stay on daylight savings time all year. Uh, But when it does hit, it's very disorienting because suddenly it gets light really early. And and it's and it's like uh it's very like your your whole anytime the the shift happens daylight savings time kicks in or goes away it's always it always screws you up, and as a result in the world of TV everybody stopped watching TV in <laughs> in March because daylight savings time really screws you up like it's late much uh, later yes, is what I meant yeah. to say it's late much later and so no one like no one comes inside and sits down and watches TV and so every all the ratings for all the TV shows go yep. way down <laughs> and it, it, and. And it's it ultimately, again, is better. We should be on daylight savings time year round. Um, but the shift is just very it's a real right. bummer. And it's just a real bummer. And you lose an hour of uh, uh, sleep. It's just awful. Everything's terrible. Well, that's right. It.
1: By the time you realize, hey, this is better. It's out of you're out of March. Right. I mean, you're already in you're already in April by by the time you're like, oh, yeah, this is better. I forgot. But you're right. The, you, the your last point is very important. That hour that you lose that night, boy, does that feel like you were robbed. It just feels like somebody yeah. broke into your house and robbed you because it's it's just gone. It's just you're like, it's it's not eight o'clock. It's not nine o'clock. I'm sorry. But yeah, March doesn't care. March does not care.
0: No. Right. It's just one more little paper cut that March <laughs> gives you is like it steals an hour of your sleep. <laughs>
1: All right, my fifth pick is. I did actually do uh, a little research on this just uh, to make this point. Uh, March is named after the uh, god of war. Uh, March is is, and apparently, according to uh, this, uh, I'm sure perfectly legitimate website that I'm looking at, um, just about every U.S. NATO-led military operation over the last hundred, last fifty years started in March. So like the Gulf of Tonkin was in March, Uh, war on Yugoslavia was in March, Iraq war was in March, covert war on Syria in March, the NATO humanitarian war on Libya in March. I'm telling you, and I don't buy for one minute. That's a coincidence. I think everybody's so miserable in March.
0: Everybody's (laughs) so bummed out.
1: (laughs) They're like, let's just start a war. Let's just do something. We just got to do something. And uh, yeah, it's it's the worst month. It's just a terrible, terrible. Um,
0: month. Technically speaking, The Matrix was released on March thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. Boo! <laughs> 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 I mean, they have like the the top best movies ever to come out in March, according to Ranker.com. dot sure. com. It does say The Godfather came out in March. Lethal Weapon. All right, fine. Fargo is <laughs> great. Big Lebowski is great. The birds, nobody cares about the birds. Psycho, whatever. <laughs> pretty Woman is the eighth best movie ever to come Wait, out in March. Woman, I mean, come it's, on. It's, come on. It's a, it's, a, it's an absurd anti-feminist uh, twisted fairy tale about a rich guy who saves a, a desperate prostitute from a life of prostitution. Right. 300. Raising Arizona, I guess the Cone Brothers, brothers love March. You know what? And
1: that's perfect. That really actually is perfect. Don't you think the Cone Brothers should release all of their movies in March?
0: Yeah, it's, it is it is perfect because they're really interested in the sort of cold, unfeeling brutality <laughs> right. of the and, universe. <laughs> and they
1: see a void. They're like, you know what? We just we might as well just own March. I mean, it might as well just be our month. So I respect that. I respect that. How about three of the nine movies being Cone Brother movies? You got to like that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty intense. Anything else, uh,
1: Anything Anna, else that I, seems decent? Uh,
0: Oh, there's a bunch of and a bunch of Hitchcock movies, Psycho uh, and the Birds, yeah. you and you know what? Uh, Hitchcock whatever.
1: was March too. That's I mean, actually, all of this is perfect. I am more convinced after this draft how bad March is.
0: Yeah, we 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 re-intensified the the truth of this what? statement. That March what sucks. a
1: depressing <laughs> podcast! We just talked about how terrible baseball is and 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 how terrible March is. That's
0: we... you're welcome, the athletic. <laughs> 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 you couldn't have come
1: on at board at a better time right now than, than, than uh, <laughs> as we've lost the will to live thank you all right well but here we go a little i'm going to bring we'll bring a little bit of joy uh with our one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing it's
0: one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing we talk about sports and we draft things we know Beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, more Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast, whoa, it's one last. Whoa, meaningless
1: thing. if you are just joining us uh, for the first time. We we end with one meaningless thought that literally has nothing to do with anything else that we've talked about. Um, And why did we do this again? What was the reason?
0: You said during a during a previous podcast, we were talking about something. I can't remember what. And you said, well, here's one more last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. (laughs) And and I was like, well, now that has to be an official segment (laughs) (laughs) to be the way we end
1: song to go with it. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, it's 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 a thing. All right, one last meaningless thing. Then this meaningless thing. I will start. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter, but I but I want to mention this uh, here on the podcast to reach nobody else because there's nobody who doesn't follow me on Twitter that would be listening to this. Um, cosmic crisp apples. Somebody mentioned to me cosmic crisp apples. I guess they're a new brand, a new variety of apple that that has only been recently uh, recently put together. Um, and somebody said, you know, you ought to try the Cosmic Crisp Apple. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's a, it's a memorable name. So I will remember if I'm in, in a, in a grocery store and I can, and I see one. Uh, and I did my, actually my wife was in Whole Foods and she saw the Cosmic Crisp Apples and she uh, bought a bag of of Cosmic Crisp Apples and brought them home. And I'm just telling you, they are enough to change your entire life. They are really? so Delicious! I can't even begin to describe how delicious Cosmic Crisp apples are. So they—they like they're, they're to me like the perfect blend of a little bit of tart, a little bit sweet, and super crispy. And I mean, I just don't know what you could do more. So now I am obsessed. I eat like two Cosmic Crisp apples like every day or something. I mean, they're just so delicious. So if I can give you one gift for for being a Athletic subscriber or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and get yourself a cosmic crisp apple. They're delicious. That's that's my one.
0: All right. Like we ended on a high note. No. And I'm gonna end on another high no. note for my one last meaningless thing, which is I'd like to I'd like to give a little L- uh, ode to the to the humble index card. Oh, nice! The the three by five white ruled oh. on one side, plain on the other side index card. And the reason is so in the writing world i'm a tv writer and in the writing world index cards are incredibly useful for breaking stories not all tv writers rooms do this this way but many do you just use them to like write down the sort of beats of a story and you just put you pin them up onto a board or you or you magnetize them to a board and then it's really handy because you're like oh you know what actually this should happen before this and you just sort of switch the cards around right and they're they're little mobile chunks of story and you lay them out And then you can get colored ones for like, here's the A story, here's the main story here. Then you get a, you know, you can use blue ones for the B story. That works really well, too, because then you can really see what the flow of the story is. And they're great. But also, my son recently has been studying uh, the history of like U.S. statehood. You know, what states got into the union at what time. And he needs to memorize every week. He needs to memorize, you know, maybe 10 to 12 states. The date they were admitted to the union, whether they were a slave state or a free state, because he's they're studying the Civil War, and um, and a bunch of other sort of information, and just the flashcard system. Yes. Like nobody's nope. beaten it since I was a kid. Nobody has beaten the like. I hold it up and it says Wisconsin, and he goes Wisconsin was a free state, and it's it's two letter abbreviation is WI, and it was admitted to the union in eighteen whatever it was, uh, and. And then you turn it around and he checks it and it's right and uh, it's just i've been like i've had this new wave of love for the humble index card as just a tool like it's in this paperless society in which we now live uh there's so little use for most kinds of paper but the index card has still has this has cornered the market on this on a specific kind of studying for a test or Breaking a story or w- the, the little things like that, and I, I just I've had a new wave of love for them. So thank you, index cards for for existing in your three by five. I'm form. just
1: gonna tell you, I could not possibly agree more. They the index card is so wonderful. Every one of my my books, I have used index cards either the same way that you use stories, where I pin them up on the board. I when I did the book on the 1975 Reds, I would I pinned up um, I would have each player, like each of the, of the grade eight. So I, and I put them in baseball order. So I would have, you know, I would have Pete Rose at third and Dave Concepcion at short and, and Joe Morgan at second and Tony Perez at first and bench behind the plate Geronimo in center. And, and I would, you know, get down information, but mostly what I kept them up is because I was trying to reach all of them. So I would have contact information. Then if, if, if I, if I got them, I would use a different color. And, and I mean, it was just perfect. It's the perfect size. It's like the perfect weight, right? Like if it was if it was flimsier, it wouldn't work, right? It has to be like that that very, very light cardboardy, you know, feel. Um, and then there's also the the other wonderful thing is um, is having those delightful little index card uh, boxes. Right where you like can kind of keep little files of index cards, sure, and and then those wonderful index cards uh, separators that have like the little the little plastic thing on top, so you you know you know that's A B C, you know go through that thing. Index cards are so delightful. You are you have done America a service by reminding us how wonderful (laughs) the index cards are.
0: Happy to do it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: they're so great all right well so what do you think did we did we get any more meaningful than than we needed to for our first uh first endeavor with the athletic
0: no that was that was completely meaningless and which is just the right amount of of uh meaningless (laughs) we we did
1: it again How, how how much can we thank ourselves so thank you for joining mike as always thank you
0: thanks for having me